I feel very honored to uh, preach today. I mean, it's interesting, but uh, besides COVID, I'm usually in the country on Remembrance Sunday, and I've, it's a privilege, uh, I, uh, you know, to preach on this week in particular. Um, it's always a, a privilege to preach, to be honest. But, but on this Sunday, I find it uh, even more important. Um, I come from a military family. Um, I uh, have great respect and honor for those who have sacrificed and given so much so that I have the freedom that I have today and um, all of the things that, you know, people have done on my behalf and those in my family and those that I'm, you know, related to and, and those that I'm not related to and so many that have gone before us. And, um, and so this is a day of really remembering. This is a time where, where we don't just leave church and forget, but we really let that kind of soak in of people really have lost so much um, so that we can live free. And um, I thought what Paul prayed was so powerful, by the way. That was such a powerful uh, reminder of who Jesus is. And, um, and how many know, like, in peace or in war, that it's God that's the king of all kings, and he is the one who will reign forever. And we live in that peace and that remembrance. So um, it's wonderful to be uh, here today. And actually, I feel like um, there's a few things before I get, got here, because I, I try to pray for where I'm going. What do you want to say to these people at this time in this church? And I'm a little invested in this church now. And there's a few things in particular that I was feeling. And I, did, I didn't actually realize that it was Remembrance Sunday. I thought, I thought it was next week, to be honest. Um, but I want to talk to us today about courage. And um, courage is one of those things that, how many know if we don't have it, 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 we don't do very well. And um, I'm going to look out of two uh, different chapters uh, in the books of, uh, of Acts today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and, and turn there uh, with me. And if you don't, that's okay. If you're visiting here today, we're so glad that you're here. You don't, I'm going to read this just so that you have a context. But, you know, courage is one of those things that, you know, like, how many people have gone before us, like I said, that have made such a difference um, because of the, the choices of courage that they made in their own lives, that they actually changed and altered, um, you know, all of history. And the book of Acts is a picture of the early church. It's a picture of, um, you know, what we as the church are called to do, that we come together, that we share with those in need, that we listen to the teaching, that we, uh, you know, that we do the things that God has called us to do, and that we encourage one another daily. That's really the book of Acts, and it's the first church of learning to work these things out. And in, and in chapter 6 and in chapter 7, uh, this is a really profound sort of insight of, yes, God was moving powerfully, powerfully, but with that, there was great opposition. And in the midst of that, because things were growing, um, the disciples needed to gather around and needed to appoint some more people um, to give oversight to the people that God was bringing to them. And so they were trying to do things well. And so this is where Stephen gets um, appointed. And it's in chapter 6. And it talks about, I just want to read this just so you have a context here, um, of who Stephen was. This is very important. Chapter 6, verse 8 says this. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. But opposition arose from members of the synagogue and the Jews of the Syrian Alexandria, as well as the providences of Sicilia and Asia. These men, 
began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak some words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen. Now remember, he just got chosen to serve. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin, and they, produ they produced false witnesses who testified this fellow never stops speaking against this holy place. They're talking about the structures of the church and against the law. For we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth would destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. And all, verse 15, who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw his face and his face was like the face of an angel. So this is Stephen after he's being appointed, he's being chosen. That's what we find in the earlier uh, uh, verse there, in chapter uh, six, verse five and six. It talks about that they chose C uh, Stephen and he was a man of, a, of reputation. He was a man of character. And we're gonna look at just the, uh, the life of Stephen in a, kind of a snapshot here this morning of what courage looks like. What it looks like not to just be chosen, but, but to live out what it looks to, like to be chosen. So we know God's chosen us, and when God chooses us, then he calls us in to purpose. And Stephen was a man who was known for many things, and he, one of the things that he made people do is he made people choose. He made people choose and made them think about their life and what they believed in and what they didn't believe in. There was this uh, missionary, he was actually murdered uh, for uh, you know, serving people. His name was Jim Elliott, and he said this. He would pray this, actually, about his faith. He said, Father, make me a man of crisis. Bring me those I, can, I, I bring in contact with to decision. Let me not be a milepost on a single road. Make me a fork that men must turn one way or another or facing Christ in me. And you have to ask yourself this morning, when people encounter you, do they see the Jesus in you? And does it force them to make a decision? Let's look at what Stephen was known for. It says in verse five that Stephen was a man full of faith. How many know faith is so attractive? Like I've heard this said and I think it's true. Whoever has the most, most faith in the room has the most influence. Like faith is attractive. Like faith is a gift. The Bible talks about that God gives us certain kinds of gifts, gifts in the natural and gifts spiritually, actually. We just saw a little bit in action, spiritual gifts, that God anoints us, that God appoints us, that God um, calls us in, uh, you know, for different things within this life. And faith is a gift that God imparts to us daily. How many know we need faith daily? And so we need God to fill us with faith. And Stephen was a man who was known for his faith. So you want to look at your life this morning and say, wait a second. First of all, am I a person who am getting myself ready to be chosen to be used by God? This stuff was already in him. So when he was chosen to step into his purpose, he was ready. His reputation was that he was full of faith. How many know we're called to be a people of faith? The second thing it says in verse five is that he was full of the Holy Spirit. So he was recognized as someone who carried the Spirit of God. Do you know that you're called, actually, that when you're, when you're invited into the kingship and to what we're invited into, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that we're also empowered with the Spirit? 
We're called to not just be filled once with the Spirit, but it's a lifestyle of being filled with the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is leading us and directing us and guiding us. Romans talks about this quite a bit, where it talks about that we're called to be led by the Spirit. We're called to learn to set our minds in the Spirit of God. And Stephen was a man who was filled with the Spirit of God. So how many know there's lots of spirits out there? So you have to ask yourself, which spirit are you full of? That's a challenge. Stephen was known as one who was full of God's spirit. God's spirit was resting on him. It says in verse eight that he was a man full of God's grace, but also power. Grace and power together. So they're recognizing what's on his life, that he's a man that doesn't just have power, but he also is full of grace. Remember they're in context where they're having to bring other people in to kind of pastorally oversee, you know, the widows and those that are kind of left behind because God's moving in so many different ways. And they wanted to make sure that the people were cared for. And they see that Stephen is a man that has God's power, but he also has God's grace. How many know power that's left unbroken by the spirit of God can be quite destructive? That's what God's grace does. Grace reminds us that without God's spirit, we really are not much. That's why the Apostle Paul in the Bible talks about it's from the place of mercy. It's from the place of God's grace that we're called to live from. What has God done for you? That's what you live from. What's the mercy that God's had on your life? Like, how has God rescued you? How has God saved you? See, I'm a person that believes that God rescues us time and again. Because I get myself in trouble time and again. That's why I know that scripture that God's mercies are new every morning because I've already used up yesterday's. That means I need today's, right? So Stephen is a man who has these characteristics and there, there are things that they want around them. He's full of God's grace, but he's full of God's power. And it says actually in verse 10 that the people could not stand up to his wisdom. Now, how many know there's an earthly wisdom and then there's a wisdom that only can come by and through the Spirit of God. The word wisdom here, it only appears four times in Acts, and it means an inspired wisdom. It means that God's Spirit gave him the words that cut through the hearts of the people. That's different. Words without God's Spirit can do damage. God's Spirit upon us and in us and through us, that's where God's Spirit can do the most powerful work. And Stephen was known as a man who actually, when he spoke, his words just kind of cut through to people's hearts. That's God's spirit at work. You know, the Bible talks about that we actually, even in our own power, cannot bring people to Christ. It's only when God's spirit, marked by what God's doing in us, combined, right? Those things that God uses us as broken vessels. But it's only led by the spirit of God can people come to know God. And Stephen was a man that was full of God's spirit that when he spoke, it just changed people's hearts. There's a promise also in, in the book of Luke, chapter 21, verse 15. It's kind of very similar, actually. It says this. So this is the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. This is Jesus' earthly ministry. If you want to know how Jesus ministered, look at, you know, read through those books. It says this in chapter 21. Verse 15, for I will give you, Jesus saying this, I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Only the Spirit of God can do that. 
That's what was on Stephen. And because he was anointed by God, they couldn't silence him through debate. They couldn't silence him when they wanted him silenced. Now you have to understand the context here again is that they're trying, the, the, the disciples are trying to be you know, caring, but also the leaders of the, the church, so to speak, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, they're unhappy. They're unhappy with who Stephen is. They're unhappy that he speaks out, but they can't silence him because every time he speaks, God's spirit begins to move. That's what he's known for. I've seen that time and time again, which by the way, just as a side note, the enemy will always go after your voice. Like they tried to silence Stephen. Why? Because he was anointed by God. Why? Because he was being used by God. Why? Because everybody was recognizing that God, God's hand was on him. So the leaders didn't like it. The disciples liked it. The people liked it. They were responding, but the leaders, not so much. And that was the resistance. That's the reality of what he lived in. We have to think of when we're sharing the gospel, we need the power of God's spirit because that's only when conviction comes. He's under a great pressure. And we find that pressure, if you jump over to chapter 7 here, we find this, pre uh, this pressure of the context where now are the leaders, which I just read, but now the leaders are upset because Stephen's going to speak up. Now, just for time's sake, I don't have time to read all this, so I'm going to summarize for you. I'm going to do the short Netflix intro trailer version. <laughs> They're upset with him because he's going to call him to account, or the people to account. So the, the other characteristic, which would be the fifth characteristic that was on Stephen, is that he was a man of courage that he spoke up and against this, uh, this resistance that he was standing up into and against, actually. And this is basically what he was saying to the people in his day. So if you want to turn over, I'm just going to read just a little bit of here. It says this. This, is, this takes courage, my friends, when you are standing before people that can take your life. And he says this. You stiff-necked people, you with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law have put into effect through angels but have not obeyed it. Now that takes courage. That's why he's getting people upset. We would say in the state ruffling feathers. Do you say that here? Yeah. Is that an American term? No. Oh, I'm sure we got it from you. We got everything from you, I'm sure. You know, that's why we couldn't get out of here quick enough, right? Well, you know, we left this country. Let me just say this. I have to remind people when I'm in Plymouth, I'm like, Plymouth Rock is actually real. That's an actually, yeah, it's, um, it's real. And um, anyways, um, that's a side note. I was going to say that we left because we just wanted to learn how to talk right. And, uh, and drive right. Oh, yeah, I got to get out of here. Please let me get out of here safe and sound. I just need courage to get out of here this morning. But Stephen was a man of courage, so he's standing up against conflict. So he's chosen by man, but he's rejected by the leadership. And he's standing up and he's saying, listen, you guys, like God's moving and you are resisting what God's doing. That's a summary of what he's doing. And so he's causing, you know, like a conflict. He's causing a conflict that the, that the leaders don't want. 
And so they're upset with him. This takes much courage to do this, to be able to say this in this day, especially. But Stephen was a man who cared about. This is another characteristic about Stephen. He was more concerned about what God thought rather than what he thought. He wasn't concerned about his safety. He wasn't concerned about even what the leaders thought. He just wanted to speak what it was that he thought God wanted him to say for that time and for that season. And here's one of the things that we miss oftentimes in the church. Just because God puts his hand on you. Remember, this man is chosen. He is full of God's spirit. He's full of good reputation. But just because God puts his hand on you, just because God anoints you does not mean that it's an easy road. Does not mean that you will not need courage. Does not mean that when, when you speak up that everybody's going to listen. In fact, it's just the opposite. We have this illusion to think if we just say yes to God and if he just anoints us, then all will be well. Yes, all will be well in the end. Like we know who wins. But when it work, gets worked out, it gets worked out from nine to five in your workplace. It gets worked out in your, you know, your family and your friends and your relationships. It gets worked out in the building of the church, the community and life of the church. Are we going to have courage? It's not just having God's spirit for nothing. It's not just being chosen for nothing. It's being anointed by God's spirit to be used for the purposes of God. And as long as you're here, my friends, there's purpose on your life. And so whether that be 10 years or 100 years, whatever it may be, there's purpose on your life. There was a courage on Stephen that he cared about what God thought more than anything else. And much favor from God often has much rejection from man. And we don't like that. We like to be chose, chosen. We like to be used. But we don't like the opposition. And that's not the reality of it. It takes real courage for you to stand up to what you're called to do. It takes real courage for you to actually be the man or woman that you're supposed to be. In fact, it takes a lot of courage to obey God in our time and in our day. And it will take more courage in the coming years for us to stand on the foundation of who God is. And we will not be able to do it, my friends, without the Spirit of God upon us. And we stick true to the Word of God, and we stick, we stick true to the Spirit of God, and we live this out in the way that God's called us to, because no matter how long that is, we want to be true to that. And that's why Stephen was a man of character. That's why he had good reputation, is that they knew that. That's why they picked him. And so he was a man who had a reputation that his character, even his witness and his testimony goes through history. But his obedience to say the truth also led to his death. So what happened was that they, they wanted to get him. So they talk about stoning him. So if we look down at verse 40 to 54, it says this. When they heard this, now remember, he's spoken out. It says, when they heard this, they were furious. This is the leaders. They gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, this talk about keeping your composure and your courage under pressure. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And as this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, 
and began to stone him. And meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Stephen's call of obedience took courage even unto death. And I think sometimes we relate, my friends, with being filled with the Holy Spirit for signs and wonders. And it is a sign and a wonder when you can stand in adversity in, in any opposition because it gives credibility to the gospel. And sometimes we confuse God's power and God's spirit with a miracle. And sometimes the miracle is that God empowers you to walk through suffering. The miracle that when you walk through suffering and you model the courage that I'm going to come out the other side of this and love Jesus, that was the witness. That was the power of Stephen's life. It wasn't just that he was chosen. He actually lived it and he finished well. And sometimes we have a misunderstanding of the power of God's spirit. And I love it when God does miracles in the moment. And I love it when God heals our bodies in the moment. And I love it when God's power breaks through in the moment. But there's nothing like the witness of God's power on your life and in your life when you're faced with suffering. Yet you say, I still love Jesus. That takes courage. That's really who Stephen was. That's what he did. I love the word witness. Actually, the word witness uh, in the Greek comes from the word maturian, and it means to declare. It means to testify. It means to confirm. It's interesting that we get the word martyr and witness in the same word. In other words, your life is a witness. Before we, before we find this later in Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it talks about they're waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says, my, I, there's a gift coming to you, right? Jesus said a gift is coming. They didn't really know, have any context of who the Holy Spirit was. A gift is coming. And it says in verse 8 of chapter 1 of, of Acts that God's Spirit came upon them to be witnesses our first and primary call as a believer is to be a witness under the Spirit of God, whether we have, whether we don't have. Whether we're sick or whether we're well. Whether we're fighting for our freedom, right? Or whether we feel like there's a, there's a moment of grace in my life right now. The power and witness of your life, that's really what it means. You know why? Because it's death to self. This life is so temporary. We're all called to martyrdom. It's just some of us don't know it. It's death to dying to what's comfort. It's death to dying to what's convenient. It's death to dying of everyone liking us or, you know, believing us or liking what we're saying. It's death to all those things, all for the sake of the gospel. A martyr is one who realizes that their life is not their own. That's who Stephen was. He was a man that was following. He had a following because of the witness on his life. I love this that was said actually about, uh, let me just find it here, from Eugene Peterson who wrote this. He said, God doesn't need me to defend him. The call of the Christian isn't to apologize. It's to be a witness. I know this. People watch our lives. And people don't relate to when we have it all good. In fact, if you have it all good, we don't really like you. We're going to be honest. 
When you have it all good, we're like, yeah, come back when it's not so great. What people relate with is our humanity. What people relate to is that if you show up and you still love Jesus in the midst of pain and difficulty and hardship, that's the power of God's spirit at work in you. That's what people are watching. That's the power of witness. That's the power of Stephen's life. So you want to ask yourself this morning, what is the message of your life? What's the witness of your life? How much of your life is living in courage? See, Steve, Stephen's life, although he died as a martyr, he, his, the way that he lived gave so much power to the witness of the gospel that it gave birth to other things. And you have to realize that your life is not just about the now, but everything that follows after you. That's why God's promise to us is that everything, that, every yes, every obedience of God to yes, it goes to a thousand generations. So when you say no to that sin, it's not just saying no for you. You're saying it for your great, great, great grandchildren. Come on, you got you to gotta hold on to this. That's the witness of your life. The witness of your life is not just when you're here. It's when you're long gone. And it's what you leave behind. And, and Stephen's life gave birth to three very significant things. The witness of his life, the courage of his life. First of all, in the first verse of chapter 8, it talks about that right after that, there was a great persecution that came on the church. Go figure. Here this guy, stoned to death, standing in courage. And the first thing that happens is the church comes under even more persecution. Be like, oh my gosh, God, what are you doing? Like, look what just happened. Look, look at what he just did. Why are we under more pressure? It is a false belief system to think just because we had a hard season that our next season should be good. This life is not it. This life is just a breath. There is an all-out persecution that came on the church. But sometimes we look at warfare all wrong. There's great persecution because God was at work. When the enemy is opposing you, it's because God's at work in you. In fact, the very place that you feel the most opposition is the place that God wants to really do the most work. And if that wasn't true, there wouldn't be any opposition. We look at warfare all wrong. We look at opposition all wrong. When opposition comes, I actually get peace. Because I'm like, hmm, yeah, there's something on this. Yeah. Like that, I've always followed it like that because there's some power behind that. I've watched that play out for so many years now. There was an opposition that came on the church because they were like, oh my gosh, if people start living in courage that Stephen had, we're in trouble. So we better start killing these guys. We better start taking them out. Because if they start realizing that their life on this planet, this earth, this time, is just momentary, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to lose our structures. We're going to lose our buildings. We're going to lose what's most important. What Stephen called them out. It's not your structures. It's, not the, it's the God in your structures that's important. And he called it out. And it gave out to so much more persecution. But here's the thing. At the latter part of chapter 7 where I read, it says that, that, that when he, after he's been martyred, stoned to death, it said that they were laying the clothes at a young man's feet named Saul. What happened from the, the, the stoning of Stephen? It gave birth to so many other things. And sometimes I think of 
We think of our life like, oh, I didn't do that much or I didn't. No, it's like everything that you do, it matters. Every yes matters. What Stephen did matters. And even what he did gave an example to Saul. Now, Saul, for those of you who don't know, Saul was the one who was actually encountered by God, which you can read in chapter 9 of Acts, that he was encountered by God, and God got a hold of him and changed his name to Paul. And he was the great, in fact, even today, the great influencer of the church. He was the great persecutor of the church. He was holding the clothes. He's the one that's ordering the stoning of Stephen. He's watching it. And then later, God gets a hold of him. And he remembers that moment where here's someone who had the courage to stand up for what he believed in. And the great persecutor of the church became the great martyr of the church. When we encounter Jesus like that, it changes everything. When I remember what God's done for me, of course I'm going to lay down my life for him. Of course I'm going to say yes to him. Of course I'll stand up to things that are uncomfortable. It's momentary. It's just momentary. What Stephen's life did is that it gave birth to a new leader, and that was going to be Paul. And that conversion, that's what changed the church. It talks about in verse 4 of 8, it says that a seed was planted from the persecution. And what that means is that the church was then scattered. In other words, they tried to silence the church, but instead the church got planted it literally means, uh, translated, it means that the seeds were scattered and being planted. In other words, whatever the enemy tries to shut us down with, God can give life to whatever he wants to give life to. Whatever the enemy tries to kill in your life, if God wants it, he'll make a way for it. And here, this is where we find where the, the church really came alive. It means the church scattered. How many know the church gathers? That's what we're doing today. But then we're called to scatter. We go to our workplaces. We go to our meetings. We go to our interactions. We gather to scatter. That's where we find that in, in Acts. And it's after the courage of the life of Stephen that, that those seeds that were planted, that's what empowered the church. There's so many things that came as a byproduct. In fact, later on even, which I'm not going to preach through the whole Bible, so don't worry. But later on, where you find where God puts his hand on another. And I am sure that the disciples, you know, they grieved. They actually mourned the loss of Stephen. Of course they did. He was a man of reputation. He was a man of integrity. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit and grace and God's power. They mourned him. But it talks about later that God put his hand on another person. And here's the thing. There's this great verse in, in Acts somewhere where it says this. David, it's talking about King David. David served God's purpose in his generation and then he died. Another translation says that he fell asleep. That's how I want to go. Like we serve God's purpose in our time with courage and whatever it is that God's asked us to do, because what God asked me to do will be different than what it looks like for you. What you need courage for, it's gonna be, it's gonna look different than the person next to you. But what you're called to is you're called to serve God's purpose for your generation. That's what you're called to. So you wanna look at your life. What's the message of your life? What's the witness of your life? 
would people say, that is a person full of the Holy Spirit. That is a person that has courage. I mean, one of the things that we're reminding ourselves of today are those that did not live their life for themselves. There's the laying down of our life. That's the gospel message. That's why we do what we do. So you want to ask yourself, am I a person of courage? Do I actually even have the courage to speak up when I need to speak up? Do I have the courage to speak up for others? Not just myself, but others. Do I have the courage to do what's right, even though I have opposition? Do I have you know, the courage to say no to a relationship that's unhealthy for me? Whatever it is that you need courage into for today, I'm telling you that the choices that you make to stand full of the Holy Spirit in courage is the witness of your life. So as you leave here, think of that. My life is a witness to the Spirit of God. And Lord, give me courage. Where I do not have courage, then would you fill me with your Spirit to give me courage so that I can live in the way that you've called me to live. Amen. Is his life not amazing? Like he lived well, but he died well, full of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I missed this here, but this is really important. It says there that God's Spirit shined on him. See, that's the shining. Some of you have been in suffering. That shining that comes on you when you're in suffering and hardship, that's the presence of God. That's the Spirit of God. Some of you need to know that. Like, don't box God into some kind of thing of what you've thought about God's presence or God's. The Holy Spirit is a person, a person that we're to respect and to revere and to build relationship with. And God's Spirit empowers us for miracles. And sometimes that miracle is to empower us through the witness of suffering. Sad, but it's true. And it's because this is not heaven. And thank God for that. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? How are we doing? You guys all right? Well, thank you for answering me. Are we all right? Yeah, okay. Your life is a witness. Your life is meant to live in power by the Spirit of God with the courage of God. Just put your hand over your heart for a minute. I just want to pray for you. If you're new here this morning, you don't have to do this. It's not going to hurt you. I just like to pray, just as Paul did earlier. You know, just pray God's word over us. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning, the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, for the examples of those who have gone before us. Lord, that show us how to live well and how to die well. Lord, those that have lived in courage under great pressure, Lord, help us to be a person that has the courage to say yes to you even under great pressure. Lord, hide your word in us. Lord, help us to obey you this week. Lord, and I pray that your spirit Lord, would go with each and every person, Lord, and remind them in each encounter that their life is a witness unto you. And Lord, help us to be a witness, full of your spirit, full of grace. And Lord, seal your word over this, us this morning. Plant it deep, uh, deep within us. Help us not to sin against you.